he has the confidence that he can accept the blow. As a point of interest, none of my men wear protection in the joint. None. After all, you wouldn't want your attacker to get injured. That hurt my foot. live welcome to big d after dark whether you're joining us on facebook twitter twitch youtube or satellite i don't know whatever we're glad you're with us this is this is the show for fc dallas fans um to be interactive to talk to break down some fc dallas action and have a little have a little fun while we're doing it when the lights go down we go live and so welcome welcome to another show on this monday march 21st I'm your host, Nathan. You can follow me at Nathan J. Hill on Twitter. There, uh, or I should say the other way, uh, is is my buddy Jose at El Chico Hola. Carmona. When Below, in the Brady Bunch style, is, is Tommy LaBeouf at Tom underscore FC Dallas. And finally, over in the other corner, whatever. Anyway, I can, uh, is Ismail at Belcora Isma on Twitter. And hey, FC Dallas won three points at home. There's no reason to lament tonight. We've had two weeks of FC Dallas victories. It feels like Major League Soccer 2022 is underway. And not just that, it feels it feels different. This team is so much fun to watch. Um, we're gonna we're, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. But let's just start with breaking down the game. I have some highlights to show. We'll do some post game comments from from Nico, from Paul Ariola, and from Jesus Ferreira. Uh, of course, Jesus, the hat trick hero from this one, an incredible. After a little bit of a slow start to the season, and we talked about it last week at length. What a performance, and and then also an assist to Paul Ariola. This was also a team effort. A lot of other things to talk about. Some defensive pieces there. Good goalkeeping. A lot of fun. This was a wonderful performance and a sold-out crowd in Frisco. So let's just let's just start there. Let's start with our instant reactions. Jose, we'll start with you. I mean, what what'd you love from this? What'd you love from this performance? Well, I can't stop watching the replay of that first goal. I mean, um, you know, watching. FCD passed the ball around, trying to figure out how to break down the defense. And then all of a sudden, you see the pass from Paxton that unlocks the defense. He finds Velasco, who one times it beautifully fast, you know, hard, you know, low, decisive. You have the dummy by Ariola, And then, of course, it opens the floodgates for Jesus, which is uh, one thing we've all been saying is, is let's wait till Velasco starts. And see if him being on the on on the wing opens up the attack, and and it and it does. It's like you know, you have a puzzle, and you're missing a piece. You're gonna you're gonna be able to tell, 
and now you see all the pieces are in the right place and all of a sudden an attack that showed promise and 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 just couldn't finish all of a sudden it, it looks like it's you know mid-season form my i know i know i know that 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 portland didn't have their starting center backs but i mean this is the team that they've rolled out for the first four weeks basically so and they and they hadn't lost so maybe not as fortuitous as some people say yes they, they can play better defense but i don't see how even with the starting center backs they walk out of frisco with a with a with a with a draw against against the kind of performance that 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 the dallas put forth very exciting tommy yeah exactly what uh jose mentioned and i've always kept my guns that ferrero was a good forward and but he is also the kind of forward that needs good team play and you know, uh, Nathan Uax coached just a couple of weeks ago about about uh, Ferreira, and his answer was, "Everybody's got to play well." Well, that pass from Paxton was pretty amazing. I mean, uh, he don't forget about how good that pass was to Velasco, and how good that second pass was in the dummy. I mean, that that is some of the best soccer I've seen at FC Dallas. And um, the quick takes that I have is, what about the fans in the stands? I mean, like you know. FC Dallas is pulling the right triggers. They're doing the right things. The word is getting out. Um, people are, be, are definitely paying attention to this soccer. And, and I don't care how many times they played that Velasco goal last week. You know, it's great to see the fans of the game. It's great to see the soccer. And furthermore, you know, Coach is also making the right moves. He took Velasco out with a three-to-one you know, three lead. He took other players out. It looked like uh, maybe uh, Nanu got a little tired and got beat on that, that goal. And, uh, you know, brought in uh, Tomasi. So he's still, you know, developing Tomasi. Uh, O'Brien came in the game. So, I mean, coaching never stops. And you got to love it. It's, it's really, really good. Two thumbs up. Ismail, um, it's, it's your turn. And after, after last week, you know, of, of letting us know that Jesus uh, <laughs> wasn't meeting your standards, Give us your reaction. Hey, I'll, I'll eat crow. I'll eat crow every day. I mean, if this is this is the price that I uh, I look like a fool, I'll be fine with that. I really, I'm I, I'm fine with that. Uh, um, I mean, we'll rave about Jesus. I think uh, I think this performance um, is the kind of performance that puts you on the map, right? Because this is this, what what got Pepe on the map that hat trick against LA, and that's what brought the eyes to his talent, uh, and I think this this like when Jesus is thriving and when the system works when this team fires at full cylinders, it has the best attack in the West, and I don't think it's controversial to say so. Um, because when when it's if it's like this every week, there then we'll definitely make the playoffs and then some. Um, going into more details, I think Paxton and Cervania and Cerio really dictated how well this game went. Because again, they controlled a midfield that was very good. Because it's Diego Chara. And I mean, there's an amazing quote from like 
three years ago where Diego Charo said the player I hate playing against the most is Paxton Pomichol. And I mean, the, from from Charo, that is mm-hmm. that is an amazing level of respect. And I mean, we'll go into more stuff later, but my main shout out really was to supporters group to El Matador to Dallas Beer Guardians. I was in the Rhine, and again, there there were some really nice points last year where there was a lot of garnered support, but it feels like with the new era that we've been referencing with FC Dallas, it's not just on the field. I think the stuff that Dan Hunt said that the club is implementing to get more fans into the stadium was was shown first off in this game, but in, in like in the norm, in the stands for like the regular fans, but the supporter section was completely full. It was it was it was capped. Even like the sold tickets, I had to buy separate tickets and sneak in. So I mean, it was amazing, and let's hope that the, this kind of fan base is replicated week in and week out because that would be incredible. It would be incredible and. I showed Javier's comment. Thanks for for joining us, Javier. He's saying it feels great to be an FC Dallas fan. It certainly does right now. And you know, Jesus treating you to a hat trick uh, was just was just a gift. Our buddy Ben says I you know I was pressed with the team play. The game showed how Nico wants to play. Um, and, and I do think because I, I I you know he's a new coach. Uh, we expect there's still going to be some bumps in the road. It's, it's a long season. Um, there's a lot going on. A lot of a, a lot of things can happen. Um, but we have seen from game one to this most recent game a clear improvement. And I don't buy the the things about, oh, the team wasn't at full strength or whatever. What well, No team is ever completely at full strength. Or, you know, we could still argue that uh, that you know, Jimmy Marr will, get, will start again once he's healthy, potentially. I mean, you know, uh, who knows? You know, where there's every team team is dealing with something, some kind of issue, and so uh, th- those kind of arguments are lame. They're just lame arguments. This this was a great home win. The only downside you can talk about, which we'll hear from Paul in just a moment, was how um, yeah the team probably took its foot off the gas a little bit, up three nothing, which is a common problem for most soccer teams. It's hard. You kind of relax a little bit. You settle in, and then you know a team takes advantage. You know, and I think it's also harder for a, such a young team. You know, Dallas is still one of the youngest teams in the league, and and you know, of course, that experience of of mm-hmm. holding that big lead, that'll come hopefully with uh, more practice. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's listen to some quick post game clips here. Um, I'll start with uh, I'll start with the one from Paul Ariola, and then you know maybe maybe Nico and then Jesus, um, and we'll just sort of react to them and uh, from what we hear. Here's here's Nico, and he's kind of responding to a question about how the team prepared, their tempo, playing faster, and things like that. Oh, I'm sorry. Wait, that that's Nico. Let's start with Nico then. We'll start. Um, I think uh, um, the last game when I was here in front of you, I said that we weren't good in build up. It's something that we had to improve uh, during the week, and we focus all the week to improve uh, that side uh, of the team. And in order to Velasco receive the ball, we had to be better. And then it's a teamwork uh, to provide uh, that balls to him. Uh, if we are not improve our build up, uh, it's difficult to play fast and to uh, give the ball in the right conditions to him. For that reason, I think a special 
mentioned to the center backs, the central mids, attacking mids, to do a fantastic job, uh, you know, uh, attracting the opponent, uh, reading uh, how the opponent was pressing, where the spaces were, and filling pockets to uh, help us to break lines. So, uh, like Ishmael, uh, Coach Nico giving a lot of love to the center mids, the center backs, who sometimes don't get enough love. You know, it's kind of like when they do a good job, sometimes we don't even notice because we're seeing other players score goals or get into attacking positions because of that kind of hard work. Um, and, and so it's exciting to see to him talk about that that build up, getting the ball into the right spots. And, and the week before, it took Velasco coming on to sort of, with his athleticism and his skill, to sort of create that space against a tired Nashville team with him from the get-go and also everyone kind of firing on, you know, firing on all cylinders. Uh, there, there was a lot of space to be exploited. But that you're right, like Tommy, that first goal or Jose, that first goal. I guess you mentioned it. Just, I mean, just, the timing. It just, it just was instinctive, fun. It was just incredible soccer. It, it was soccer you you pay any price to go see week in and week out. Um, uh, Ismail, do you think uh, you know? Do you think, uh, as Ben said, is this is how Nico wants to play? Are we seeing a glimpse of his kind of vision for where this team can be? Yeah, because I think the whole idea was, uh, especially with the midfield movement and the the way that they passed and with the ball around, the main the main goal was to be able to get past Diego Chara. Um, they they rec- recognize that the wing backs especially Van Rankin, are very poor defensively. Um, and they were able to exploit it, but to do that, there needed to be overloads. And I think um, their manipulation of space is probably the most important aspect of the buildup because the midfield consistently shifts um, and they never stop. When we, when we talk about the, the, the amount of running that Cervania and Paxton are doing, it's not just on the defensive side. They don't stop moving when they're trying to create um, space for either Nanu and Farfan uh, making um, runs, or when we see he- or when Jesus drops back, there's that's the movement that I think we're talking about. Um, yeah, but it's when, when it works well, it looks beautiful, right? And I think mm-hmm. that's that's the important aspect here is that the reason why the first goal looks so good is because that is a set play that is something that they practice because that movement is although it is sometimes intrinsic it almost never works unless it's practiced on again and again and that was the idea because with Jesus dropping back that pulled the center back and that opened up so much space and he all he had to do was run from like 30 yards from goal and he was going to beat the center back and what the wingers and the midfielders had to do was find a way to get him the ball at that spot, and they did. Uh, the key now is to replicate it over multiple games. And, I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure they'll be able to do it, uh, fingers crossed. I mean, this, this kind of performance, when it's like clockwork, it tells me that it's not a one-off. Like if if like it wasn't just the goals, the three goals in concession, it was there. It was the continual movement throughout the game, where they pulled those center backs, where Van Rankin looked like 
the like a middle school soccer player where this 19 year old center mid from Argentina, their young DP couldn't do anything and where Chara didn't do much. I don't remember Chara doing like a massive play, which is like part of his game. That's something that he'll pull out of the hat. So, I mean, it's really wonderful to see that it's, this is like set plays and that this is how they're going to do it. And, that it will work against a very good defensive side. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to say that what's exciting to me is I'll take you back to last season and last season, there was a disconnect between the back line, the midfield and, and the attack. And I remember it being a big deal that the midfield seemed to be behind. It, it, it was catching up and to the point that the attack really didn't get going till like mid-season i mean pepe didn't have his hat trick till like july if i remember correctly i mean we were waiting for that attack to get going and and and, and the defense was actually pretty strong to begin with and they had no support but by mid-season once the attack got going then the defense got all banged up and 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 it went south but we never saw an offensive performance like we've seen in the last two weeks. And mind you, even in the first two weeks, even though we weren't scoring, you were seeing hints of that. You mm-hmm. were seeing the buildup. Mm-hmm. You, you're, you, you can literally point and say, there has been improvement every week. And and it, that's what's exciting is now, now they've got the uh, break coming up and, and they get a chance to, you know, work on it some more but what i'm excited about is we just never saw this last season we never saw this attack kicking the high gear so early in the season that that we were waiting for it to take off and 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 we were waiting for the midfield to catch up and right now it seems that there it's a team it's a team effort it's it's you can't uh compliment excuse me you can't compliment one unit without mentioning the other unit and and that's what's exciting about this see i've i've been watching i've been watching like i said replays of that first goal of all the goals actually i've been showing my friends was like look at this nothing it looks like nothing's happening and all of a sudden pass 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 goal and they and they made it look easy this is stuff that we've seen from higher end teams you know uh from uh, from bigger teams in other leagues is there another team in MLS playing with a false nine? I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think there is. And if there is, I, I, I couldn't tell you who that is. Do you guys know? I'm curious. I mean, Colorado has a striker who's probably better at playing as a false nine, but I don't think that's the way they want him to play. You know, I, Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying it, it's, it adds a unique, a unique uh, problem for other teams to figure out if, if, if if Jesus is playing that false nine to perfection with their wings, this is not something that they can basically say, okay, we're prepared to play, uh, play Seattle. Uh, and they run some things that are similar to what Dallas runs. So let's make sure we, they can't do that. They can't do that. They Dallas, I think is the only team playing with a false nine, or at least the only one with an attack that, that, that is worth worrying about. So that's what's exciting about this. Uh, this is something different. And mind you, the league is a bunch of copycats. 
So if we, I want to see this on the road before I get too excited about it. I want to see them score on the road, and I want to see the attack work on the road before I get too excited. But this is a league of copycats. And I want to point out that this we could be seeing the start of a trend if Dallas can maintain this scoring momentum. Uh, can't hear you, Tommy. Can't hear oh. you, Tommy. You're muted. All right. There we go. Uh, I think that's great if we have copycats because I think that means the MLS is getting better and more good soccer is going to be played by other teams. But um, there's so much to be excited about. I mean, uh, this team is has only been together – this is like, what, four or five games? I mean, they're not even peaking yet. And – and Velasco has only played a couple games, and he still looks a little raw. Young, you know, he still looks like he's got a long way to go to get much better. If you remember Mario, I think that, you know, when Mario first came, that's kind of where, you know, Velasco is. He's pure raw talent right now, but he's going to get even better. And the same thing for Ziki, uh, Tomasi. I mean, we got other players. That, I mean, O'Brien, that's going to get better. But in the past, that pass that, that came from Crossdan and the dummy from Ariola. In the past, whoever was that, that dummy player would have just kicked it over the net, right? So, cheers to Ariola for letting that go because the better shot was the easier shot from Pereira. So, I mean, I applaud. I mean, yeah. so many applauses on that that play. That pass was beautiful from um, Paxton. Velasco's one touch was amazing. The team played by Ariola and just the finish. I mean, total team effort. That's what we see every week I, so far. Team. I want to point out the difference between between Morrow and and uh, Velasco is Velasco is getting hit. He's getting bumped, and it almost looks like he's inviting the contact and holding he's possession. So I mean, he, exactly. But that's the difference I'm seeing between him and Morrow. Morrow would get hit and Before get knocked around, and, and and Velasco isn't getting yeah. knocked around. He's he's basically he's playing so, off. So, yeah, yeah, I agree. He's playing. He's playing off the contact. And, con- and containing, you know, keeping uh, momentum and keeping keeping mo- that forward momentum, keeping possession of the ball, and and it's got to be unnerving for defenses to to say, hey, His okay, first go touch there, is so knock that fast. guy, knock that guy over, and it's not happening. You're seeing him get hit from behind, hit from the front, mm-hmm. and and still that low center of gravity is visible to see. Where you're saying, wow, this guy is. His low center of gravity and, and, and his strength on the ball is – I'm not sure that we've seen that in FC Dallas. At least yeah. – I mean, not to this level. I mean, can he – the question is, can he take that all season? I mean, he, he, he that's that's a lot of punishment yeah. to take. Yeah, and I think uh, the thing about Velasco is that unlike previous seasons, he's not crucial to the team's style – of play working and that's why i think ben's question is a really good question because the that that is what this what this style requires the iq needs to like it's not just iq like every every soccer player that makes it to this level almost all of them are pretty smart and know how how a lot of types of styles and formations work but there needs to be the team needs to be such a cohesive unit that everyone buys in to this style and i mean that's why i think i'm so hyped on velasco because he looks bought in and he looks hungry like when he missed like those two shots he was 
not happy with himself. And that's what you want. You want that hunger. You want that desire. Um, again, the, the reason, that, like, if everyone is bought in, which right now it looks like it, if everyone believes in this style of play, then when it hits off, and it will, it will, it's unstoppable. And I think um, its uniqueness to the league, like uh, Jose was talking about, the only team that plays similarly is probably Austin because that's how they do build up, and that's how they that that's what the strikers do. Musa Gite drops, Ruzi drops. Uh, they just aren't very good at it. Like Gite uh, cannot um, get into positions, and Ruzi is a Ruzi. Uh, it's kind of funny that both coaches are U.S. men's national team coaches from Greg Berhalter's coaching family, basically, which is, that's, that's kind of like where this influence is coming from. When we say that they look like the U.S., it, it is, this is what we mean, because uh, besides the use of a false nine, this is the kind of interaction and cohesiveness that's required to play at this 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 kind of style at a high level and for it to click it, it, this is that that cohesiveness is so important yeah i think i think they have to buy into the team thing but real quick is that ariel and ferrera just didn't learn to play together they've been having training together at the usa camps for quite a while now so i think that uh also good coaching to to sell and get the team whether you know, off the field, getting, you know, because I hear that they all can't stay together with the same people. They always swatching, swapping up. You know, it's the coaching. It's the buying into the team effort. That's what we're seeing here. Well, let's let's listen to Jesus in his post game, and then we'll we'll listen to Paul Ariola as well. Um, and because Jesus was asked about, you know, sort of, and Jesus is, is really good at short answers. I mean, he just doesn't go on a lot, which is great, you know. Uh, <laughs> not great for for – you know, media people uh, who want to hear someone talk a lot. But uh, he was sort of asked about the stress of those first few games of not being able to score. And uh, it's really neat to hear how the coaching staff supported him. Let's let's listen in. No, not at all. I mean, I can say that personally for me, um, I had a little bit of, you know, stress on me because uh, I wanted to be able to be that nine that uh, is always scoring no matter what, what game it is, if it's away or home. But my teammates and coaching staff, especially Nico and, and Peter, uh, made it made it very clear that they believed in me, and then that once the first goal went in, and um, many more were going to come. So um, I'm excited, and I'm happy that the coaching staff had enough confidence for me uh, to me uh, for me to make make uh, keep working hard and being in the right position. All right, let's go to Zoom. We've got. Yeah, I think just persistency, really. Um, you know, continuing to to get into good areas. Um, you know, I, I, I think obviously the more you play together, the the more you're able to understand each other's movements, understand what what is needed and you know, when you play in a system. Uh, and everyone is is starting to understand that. I think we're we're learning where there's where there's spaces. Um, you know, every game there's there's a different challenge. Uh, and, and and today, you know, we were we were able to put away good chances. Um, and by we I, I mean Jesus. Um, <laughs> But it, you know, it was it was great. You know, it, it was a really good win. Um, you know, obviously, second half we come out a little bit flat. It's you know, it it, ha it happens all the time with when a team is up uh, by by multiple goals. Um, but I think the fourth one was just a dagger and and, and kind of killed killed the game. So uh, I was happy about that. 
So good, good couple of post game comments. I like Paul's uh, thing. By we, we mean Jesus. Uh, yeah, uh, but but Jesus also kind of sharing that that you know the coaching staff playing that important role of of, of supporting this player as he you know adjusted to be the this the main striker, the main guy up top uh, in his role, uh, and that that and we talked about the DP contract earlier uh, on previous episodes, the pressure that comes with that. Um, and you know it's frustrating for any striker not to do their their be able to, get, to put the balls in the net, um, and to hear from Paul just how this team is continuing to gel and grow. So these are just kind of the things that that we are uh, we've already touched upon, and I think are are good signs. Um, so I, I guess the question though, so let's shift then and just say, was there anything great result, big win? Um, is there anything though that we think ah oh, team still needs to work on this? You know, and something shaky here and there, a player here and there that we're still thinking I'm, I'm not sold on yet. Uh, yeah, any thoughts around that, Tommy? What do you think? I'll let you go first. There's no player that's sticking out to me that I'm, I'm you know, want to complain about. You know, and uh, it's like what I'm going to do nowadays. There's nothing to complain about because everything has been good, right? Uh, not really. I, I the one thing I. I that's been surprising to me is is Tafari's had limited playing time, and and I think maybe that's just because he's behind Martinez and Hedges who are playing well, and um, but there's going to be a time where he's going to need to play, and uh, you know so no I, I can't think of anything really to be I'm... yeah I think right now I think uh, like like I agree with Tommy there's not much to complain about and I want to point out that we're seeing the early signs of, of how that bench is going to have certain certain people that fit certain roles with, you know, you've got Hara as your late game uh, offensive punch. You've got Quinone is, was brought in to basically help kill the game. So he came in for Cervania and they went to a dual defensive mid, him next to Surreal. And Tuomasi, of course, comes in for whichever either the left back or right back, which is one thing I think we were talking about that Tomasi is probably going to be, if he's not starting, he's going to be a guy that's going to be asked to be the new Hollingshead. Really? He's going to be asked to be the, 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 the Jack of all trades guy. Um, and of course you still got Obrian who comes in with the fresh legs and the attack. Sean, who hasn't starting. even been here. Sean. Yep. And then, and uh, Sean hasn't been there. And, and of course, you know, I, I'm not concerned about him. I think he'll he'll get his yeah. time. Um, and then, of course, you've got. Uh, I had somebody else on my on my mind that I, that I seem to have lost. You still haven't seen Jimmy play, of course. You've got Tafari, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, we're starting to see options on the bench. And mm-hmm. and and I think the only concern is right now that we all have is what happens if if some if Paxton or Cervania are hurt. I think that's really the only concern we have right now is because right now their main backup is Tuomasi, who, by the way, has uh, – not Tuomasi, uh, Siki, who, by the way, has looked great in the short amount of times that we've seen him. You know, not enough to say that he can start. But let's remember that he's the third guy, the last guy they picked in the first round out of three guys, and he's the guy that's looking like a complete steal. You know, mm-hmm. um, so I think that's really the only concern. We, we have had that concern since uh, preseason and we still have that concern concern that 
what happens if Paxton or, or Serena go down? I think I think the answer is you saw it in the substitution pattern. Is I think if Paxton or Serena goes down, you bring in Kinone and go to a dual mid, which will probably hurt the attack. And then you bring in you're bringing in uh, Siki later for that offensive punch. Yeah, but my bit. I don't know. I don't know. They're showing a lot of confidence in Siki, and 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 uh, I've always said, you know, Thomas Roberts right. is coming. And and I'm telling you right now, and I'll keep saying it, this offensive style works better for Roberts. It's a better fit than it than, than I mean it's even better for uh uh what's his face uh that's in Chile now. He would have fit here better too. Um so Coman. Uh no not Coleman. Uh no, Arangis. Arangis. I'm just saying they were wasted in they were wasted in, in Lucci's but uh, I think Thomas Roberts will come back and find that hey, he has a spot on this team, and I mean he would be a natural backup to to a, a Paxton, you know, and then Siki could could can then focus on being Cervania's backup, um, and that's in May. That's coming, you know. That's that's only a little bit over a month to go. So I'm I'm I think that's why FC Dallas hasn't signed uh, another someone to back them up, you know. Yeah, in the, in the beginning of the season, we were all worried about the midfield. You know that we didn't yeah. have. We were, I, like I said, and, we're still worried about the depth. But Siki and Kinyon have looked solid coming in. Siki more than Kinyon, but still, you're, they're finding their niche. And I think that's what you're seeing is, if the starting line can stay healthy, Dallas has niche reserves. And I think that's what that's the best you can hope for this team. I mean, uh, let's face it. This is just the first year. They're going to add more players next year, so they're looking this good right now. I think I think we have it pretty good. Like hot, take. Is healthy. hot take. Hot right, um, take. You know, well, every, you know, there's going to be times where Hara is going to have great games because of this, because he's a very technical with the ball, and if he gets service like you know Ferreira's getting, I think Hara can also be a great nine up there. Yeah, he's a true nine. I agreed, and I think that has more to do with the fact that Dallas has more weapons. Ariola, mm-hmm. Velasco. I mean, can you key on one particular player? Uh, you would think that Cervania is is the weakness, but Cervania has probably has more shots than anybody on the team, and and he's he's you know he's yet to bag one, but he's come close, and and he he's shown he's been fearless about it. He hasn't he's hesitated. Most improved, most improved Cervania. So it's really, really good. Yeah, so I would say, yeah, I mean, it's how healthy can this team stay will decide how far this team can go. Uh, I think uh, most improved is probably Surreo, um, just because Surreo was not not even a starter last year. So he was incredible. He's incredible. Um, when To go back to the, the things that needed to improve, uh, during the game, like we talked about how they, they kind of put their foot off the gas in the second half, which I don't really care about if it weren't for the fact that it kind of coincided with Blanco being subbed in. And I think Blanco really changed the game for Portland in a way that could have been more influential if they had scored that goal with Espria, where he was he skied it because he decided to shoot like Coleman that day. Uh, <laughs> agreed, he, agreed. Like, yeah, like... Uh, Blanco is a special player that can be brought in and change the game 
in a matter of minutes. Uh, I just it it was it was frustrating because they didn't seem to react until Nico did subs, and once Nico did subs, the uh, Portland kind of cooled down. I wanted to see like the midfield kind of push up higher because Blanco stayed a little bit deeper, so he wouldn't be like stuck in like stuck with those three because if he was in those three he wasn't going to be able to do the things that he did so i just like a little bit more recognition um and i mean i do have worries about the midfield depth i do think those can be easily uh remedied if an injury comes you just loan in fairy because then you start quinone and you still have Siki, and then you have fairy uh I do I do think it's kind of weak as like when you look at how good the starting three are, but I mean you're not going to have this kind of that that those kind of players on the bench and be happy, which is why I think Shown if he doesn't get his minutes, which we hope he will, is probably gonna go because that's what happens with quality players that don't make the eleven. They're going to wanna go. So um besides that i don't have really any negatives uh i'm excited like one of the players i'm most excited to see or not excited like anticipated i'm like anticipating to see how they grow is not new because again um besides the assist for jesus's second goal nanu didn't do much and I, again, I'm just, I, there are sparks again, and I'm not going to make the claim that he's bad, even though uh, Tomasi is the best player on the team, of course. Like, there's no doubt about that. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, right. Uh, uh, but, I mean, as as I think as Nanu gets closer with his teammates, like, it's, again, new country. It's going to be difficult that those things have to – those things are going to take time. But he has – an offensive skill set that I don't think really anyone else in the team has. Velasco can cross, but not exceptionally. Um, Ariola can cross, but not exceptionally. Farfan can cross as well, but Nanu has done like four crosses in the span of two games, and I think we all think he has probably the best crosser on the team. Uh, like it, it, the way he can get like pinpoint balls into the box uh, is going to be useful especially like in late games when you bring in frank o'hara when he can really head the ball so it's going to be interesting how he grows uh how he connects more because again cohesiveness matters on this team uh i just i'd like to see more defensively because he's not doing a lot of work defensively and when he is he is getting beat a lot so we'll see uh i it's yeah, he's an interesting yeah, I, like, I yeah. I wanted to add, uh, respond to Javier, who said the, the best wings since Castillo and Barrios, and, and I'm going to take it a step further and say that this is a better wing pair yeah. than Castillo and Barrios ever were because as good the as team. those guys were, they were limited in what they could do. Barrios was a speedster who could terrorize you but wasn't necessarily – really good in the in the final third and Castillo was the same way he was just erratic tons of talent tons of speed and 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 then 
not so much. You 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 were basically crossing your fingers and hoping he could pull it off whatever he was doing. Ariola and Velasco are twin terrors, multifaceted. They 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 they're not just fast guys. Not selfish. And and and, and they are both willing to work defensively, which you know, yeah. Barrios and Castillo were hit and miss on that. So, I mean, you're talking mm-hmm. about. I like I like Obreon and I like Shun, but there will be a significant drop off when they come in. It's a different style. I, I think I think these two guys are perfect for the system because of all the tools that they bring to the table. And and, and Velasco's not a finished product. He's still growing. I mean, we still haven't seen everything he's got to offer. And I'm not sure we've seen everything everything that Ariola has to offer, but it's exciting. I think they're, they're both their combined level, even and mind you, Ariola is what 27. And I'm still telling you that, that these two guys are, have a higher upside combined than, than Castillo and, and Barrios had. Okay. Well, let me, let me jump in there. Cause about. Matt Doyle made an interesting thing. And, and I always had a, had a, have had a complex relationship with Matt Doyle for a lot of major league soccer fans. <laughs> I think we all have. Uh, do as well, yeah. But he did make the point that um, Velasco in that first goal, most most wingers in this league who are fast, their instinct is to get the ball and go to the inline. Go to the inline, look for that yep. cross, you know, look for that, to make that play on the ball or whatever. Um, and that's what Castillo did. That was his bread and butter. And it was frustrating at times. But but Velasco trusted his instinct, what he saw, and he crossed you know the first time right, which is which is different, which we don't see as often. We see instead players just try to rely on their their athleticism to sort of create space and create an opportunity. So I I thought Matt's yeah. observation there was 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 pretty spot on. Yeah, but I think it's also like it's again, this team has such a different kind of style that. I think if you put Velasco on those uh, Pereja teams where the wingers, all they need to do is run and run and run and run, Velasco will do it. He'll probably just run and run and run. And I think in uh, if you switch out um, those moments of Castillo frustration for Velasco, probably Velasco scores more or is a little bit less selfish, but he'll probably still do that touchline run. Again, it's all about the 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 group and the way like the way that they work together because Velasco was had acres of space it i don't think anybody would have been frustrated not knowing that that kind of goal was possible that Velasco just takes on whoever that was i think it was Van Rankin one on one on the dribble because he probably could have beat Van Rankin but again, it, it's the way that they play makes them look so good because it looks unselfish because that's what it's supposed to be. No one's talent is supposed to override anyone else's. It's all about let's pass it around, let's move around so we can get a goal. It's all about working together. And I think... When those goals work, it's incredible. 
and that's why we love it so much. Yeah. Yeah, right, well, it's great. Let's close out the show with two questions. Um, so, first of all, Jimmy gets healthy. What do you do? You're in Nico's shoes. Does, uh, do you keep running with Martin Pass, or do you do you let Jimmy come in? Um, I'm pretty sure Jimmy's already healthy. Oh, okay. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I, I say Pass is starting. Right so you think, all right, he's earned it. Yeah, I... I think I think you go with the hot hand, and, and if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And, and I'm sorry, but you yeah. know I like what I've seen from Pius, and I mean you got to keep going with him. You only have him for a, you only have him for half the season, and then you have to decide if you're going to buy him. So let him. And start. We also have that young kid yeah. coming up too, who's our third stringer. He's going to get some. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Shame, Jose. Shame. Some pushback on no, that, right? No, 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 because because his first season, Barrios did diddly squat, and this is Ariola's first season with FC Dallas, and and Barrios didn't do anything till after the U.S. Open. First year. Yeah. So so in retrospect, Barrios did nothing for the first half of the season. Ariola is way ahead of the curve when it comes to the Barrios comparison. And you can look that up. You can look to see what Barrios did. And I like Bar I love Barrios. I'm no disrespect to Barrios. He's a great player. I'm I'm one of those people that that was upset that he was let go. But if Barrios is still here, Ariola is not. And I'm not sure I would be okay with that. I think going back to Pius, I think you play him until he messes up. And then exactly. once Agreed. he messes up, his, his distribution in. is good. He's um, got a very good distribution. Um, yeah, but I think it's actually probably worse than Jimmy's right now because Jimmy has improved a lot in the way that he passed, because the way that he has such good chemistry as a leader that he just he's that that kind of thing is intrinsic in the way that he talks with others. Um, and I mean, it's normal for Pace to not be as good as Jimmy in that regard right now because he's new here. Um, again, I think you since I think Pace has been so good that I think you extend his loan or you sign him. So I think it you if Pace messes up, even if he messes up, you still sign him after a six month contract. But once Pace messes up, I think you play Jimmy because the whole thing right now with the keepers is that both of them are so good that to keep comp the comp to keep them like on their toes, you have to create a sense of competition. So I mean, it's not like Pace is probably gonna have like one game in the future where he's he's not gonna do great, which is fine. It's not like he needs to be perfect every year, right? But I mean, Todd, 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 Todd was attacking me last time, and I was attacking Jose. <laughs> I love these hot. I love Todd. Todd, uh, Ariel is not a DP, so but he did he come won. to the league as a DP. I believe. Forget it. But he's not a DP. He's not. So don't bring that DP argument my way because guess what? He's not a DP. Right now, he's a complete steal. Uh, Sonata was basically playing chess while everybody else was playing checkers. This guy was going out, getting a DP guy for and, made him, and got him as a TAM. So you say, hey, Dallas has one DP on the bench. Well, technically, you could argue that they have 
a DP in their pocket because Ariola is not a DP. So stop the DP arguments. Bring some TAM arguments my way. Okay, I'll accept those. And I don't care what Ariola did before he was here. I'm basing on what I'm seeing, what he's doing here. He's a player who's just entered his prime. So you could say that he was all those steps. He was getting played as DP, but he was a learning. He was learning. And now he's the guy that's in his prime and has several good years ahead of him, as long as he doesn't get hurt, mind you. I don't want to jinx him. So Dallas seems, I don't, you know, of the guys that are key to this attack, he's the one that's most likely to be sticking around. Just remember that. I'm not, you know, hey, Tam Gam, we, FC Dallas was swimming in it. I want to bring yeah. up a stat. I'm not a stat guy. I'm not a stat guy, but Exceladino, you know, I, I love that guy. He posted something and uh, under Analysis Evolved. And, and even I, even though I'm an analytics guy, I was like, okay, this is something worth watching. And he says, Jesus Ferreira, is top 10 in MLS for open play XG and XA among those with 270 minutes played. The last two seasons to finish top 10 in both were Jordan Morris in 2020 and Carlo Velas MVP 2019. Hmm. That's the level that even, you know, before he was scoring, that's the level of play we're getting from Jesus, who, by the way, hasn't even hit a stride yet. And you can argue that about everyone in his team. This was Velasco's first start. You could argue that the team, as good as they looked against Portland, we're seeing the tip of the iceberg. We're seeing just the potential of where this team could be, and that's what's exciting. It does. There's no guarantee that that's the way it will be. But I think it's fans seeing the potential there. They're saying, holy crap. If we get a full season of this, even if it's just at home, look out. We we can raise our expectations from, oh, you know, we may be battling to a playoff spot to, hey, we could be battling for a home playoff match. And that's something that I think every FCD fan would say is above their expectations for this season. Well, okay. Well, let me get to my last question. And actually, Javier, you know, congratulations to Ryan Hollingshead. Uh, a brace this week for LAFC. It's weird to see him in that other kit. It's weird to see Agreed. him in that role. But yet, we celebrate the guy. Uh, two great goals for him uh, with LAFC, and uh, wish him the best. He's just—he was just a great. And he'll and he'll never get called up because, right? Because you know, Triple G doesn't like the way Hollingshead plays. And that's just a sad shame, you know, that I, I hope that he gets at least one call up on a friendly or something just to acknowledge that he's been and is one of the best left backs in MLS. And the only reason he doesn't get called up is because, you know, Triple G doesn't like the way he plays the spot. Yeah. I always said he should have got a call up. Yeah. Yeah. He deserves I think he deserves, up. I think, you know, and- well, um, but let's talk about what Jesus's performance and Paul's form, for that matter, means for the United States men's national team. FC Dallas will not play this weekend. Uh, there are a few MLS games, but it's international break. So three 
Uh, MLS Next Pro, baby. Yeah, some really important matches for the United States men's national team. Three matches, right? It's right, right? Yeah, three matches, um, including one at Azteca, which is always the toughest place to play that you'll ever have. Um, uh, So there's been a lot of hand-wringing online about, oh, who who does Berhalter start and win and all that stuff, and... um, you know, I, I will we'll see, of course, how he handles all that kind of stuff. But, but you know, Jesus got the call up before the match, right, earlier in the week, and there was some question about that, and yet then he, he responds with the hat trick. So he's he's entering at this time when the team, when the national team needs him. Um, what are we expecting? What what you know? What are you all expecting from Jesus and Paul's performances uh, over these coming n- next uh, week or so? I would say more. Yeah, I would say I would say I would say more of the same. You know, before Jesus had this hat trick, he was called up. He even started and scored a few goals for USA uh, in in I think they were friendlies, right? And he got called up last time, and he had uh, assist, I believe, to one of the players in one of the games. And I thought he played well. And uh, you know, it just takes some times when you know the goals to come. Look at Pepe. Pepe was great here. He hasn't scored a goal yet. He's just not in a great situation. You got to be in a good situation to score goals unless you're Messi, right? Messi or Ronaldo. But I think more of the same. I couldn't be more excited for those guys, even Pepe as well. I mean, yeah, they're, they're going to do well. I, I I don't know why you bring up US MNT because, you know, I, I can't even follow those guys on Twitter anymore. They, they're just ridiculous. There's a prevailing thought or talk on on social media that maybe they shouldn't start their strongest team against Mexico because then they can start the strongest team in Panama and guarantee that they get a win right. there and they're guaranteed to be fourth and blah blah blah. It's Mexico. FC Dal- uh sorry, USMT should not be <laughs> playing for fourth place. They should be playing for first place. I don't care if they lost to Canada or whatever. It should be if if they can't be first, they got to be second. I don't want this. Let's settle for fourth place. Let's, you know, I'm sorry. This is not. I would like that scene. I'm just saying people have been going on and talking about how, what great uh, talent this team has compared to other teams and blah, blah, blah. And now there's now people are saying, Oh, you know, we should start a weaker team against Mexico and then try. No, you start the strongest team against Mexico and then trust that your depth is good enough to beat the other teams. And I'm sorry, you got to go for nine points. I, I know that's unrealistic, but I would also say, yeah, Paxton deserves to be called up as well. Paxton's I agree, but I'm just saying well. some some of these U.S. men's national team fans are just so ridiculous. You can't even take them seriously. And, Jose, and, and, I'm 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 sorry. I think you're drinking the the Kool Aid <laughs> about how great the U.S. is because guess what? No. It doesn't matter how good the U.S. is. This is Concacaf, and th- it will never, it will never change. Even if we have a lineup from like the top three teams of all the European leagues, like the players play for the top three teams of all European leagues, this is still Concacaf. Right now, we are in a situation which is not unlike Kuva in 2018 it's not completely similar but it's 
it's kind of similar. And there is a non-zero chance that the U.S. does not qualify. That, that is a possibility. So if that means, if beating the Panama game, like Ben is saying, if, beating the, if winning Panama and winning Costa Rica means that we have to lose 6-0 at the Azteca, I, I don't I'm care. I will do it. You have to I'm like this is Concacaf. You, this, there's, we there's such a thing. A there's such a World thing Cup. as demoralizing your players. And if you're telling your players you're not good enough to go to Azteca and beat Mexico, yeah. then what well, are you telling them? Well, there's what a caveat. There's, 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 there, there are a lot of players like, hurt. McKenzie is out. Okay, I'm just saying maybe, may, okay, maybe you're right. Maybe they don't start their best team. But you got to start a best-ish team that you could argue is the best team, even if it's not. You can't just say, okay, we're going to send our B team and then get slaughtered. No, I'm no, but saying, you, might, you, might, you might play for a point with, with players that you think you can get a exactly, point. Re- exactly. Resting the players. You need, Maybe that, you need yeah, yeah. a lineup that can get, it, get you a point at least. If you're going in there and put, starting a team that – it's you know likely to lose that's not i'm sorry i agree to you that i agree with you that this is not as good a team as everybody says it is but it should be good enough to put a team that's capable of at least getting a point in mexico and winning in panama right that's all i'm saying if, if you remember quite a few years ago we, we went to skc uh Pereira took the FC Dallas to Sporting Kansas Barrios, City. the Barrios yeah. argument. The Barrios, no, I love it. I love it. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Perea went to Kansas City and played for a point, and they were falling down. They were wasting time. It was they were so mad at FC Dallas, but they, I think they came out with a point, if I'm not mistaken. Well, so, I, I don't. I'm, I'm all like, I'm all for you know starting Acosta and Conca Caffeine the hell out of the game, you know. But I'm just saying, I've not listened to Barrios. Let's talk half season. Look up. What Barrios did his first season in Dallas, and then we'll compare it to what Ariola does his first season in Dallas, and then we'll talk. Say, I'm just I saying right Tom now. Is you. Yeah, I know. Is, I, I know. I, you I, I know. I just. I just. I, I love it. It's. It's funny. I think it's like, I. I'm a Dallas fan, and you can't convince me that Barrios had a better first start to FC Dallas than than Ariola. It's like, you're like, ah, I don't care what he did. You know. I do remember he went like, oh, a half a season my, doing nothing. My girlfriend, right. I always tell her, I, I don't care what she did before she met me, and I don't care what Ariola did before he came to FC Dallas. So, so look, back Bye to bye. the Mexico thing. Um, so, like, at the Azteca, I don't – because, again, most likely we're going to lose at the Azteca because it's the Azteca. So, I mean, y- yes, the, come on. It's – we we gotta be realistic because we we've lost to Canada, in Canada. I mean, it's different situation, but like this this USA team with all of its talent is struggling a little bit in Concacaf. So, I mean, it's not gonna it's not gonna be surprising when slash if we lose in the Azteca. I I don't it's, want it's not. I I don't want a player like that's so important like Adams or a player that's so important like. Uh, Zimmerman or a player that's so important like Pulisic to be hacked down by a Mexican player because that's what they like to do in qualifying. They like to break legs 
I don't want that to happen in the Azteca, and then we can't play a player that is as critical as Adams against Panama or against Costa Rica. This this is this is the kind of calculation that you have to make when going into the final round of qualifying. You ha- you don't have it secured. You have Panama two points behind. You have Costa Rica four points. I think the, it's these kind. This situation is not completely secured. So you have a confidence thing. You don't say, "Hey guys, I don't trust you guys." You you don't you don't demoralize the players before a stick up. But you roll out Acosta D mid because Acosta is talented enough to maybe possibly pull it off. Black you, Magic, come on now. That's where you start him. You you don't you probably don't play Pulisic. Or maybe as a sub, but you probably don't play Pulisic, and maybe uh, you play Jesus, who's in form, instead of playing a player like Pepe, who probably is still in Greg's eyes as the number one currently. So, like that's you, that's Todd. the kind of. I, I, I I'm with Todd. I, I, you were talking about the whole confidence thing, and I'm telling you right now, is the longer the game goes and stays even, the pressure grows on Mexico because. Psychologically, Mexico has. I can't remember the last time Mexico beat the U.S., and that's got to be weighing on them. And that's something that you can lean on and say, okay, maybe, maybe start a defensive-minded lineup. Maybe not a like but you got to start a solid defensive lineup and say, okay, let's just keep it zero-zero. And the longer this game goes, I guarantee you, their own fans will start booing them. And all of a sudden, you go, wait a minute, we've lost to these guys. We can't beat these guys. And you got to play on that. And maybe you don't win, but maybe you walk out of there with a point. But you have to play the hand that you're dealt, and that is psychologically you have an advantage over Mexico right now. You do. Man, you have like, to take advantage it, of it. Yeah. You make well, it we'll, we'll, like find we we'll find out. We'll find out. We'll find out. Yeah, you make it like, I, sound I, like I, we haven't lost to Mexico in the last five years. We lost in 2019. COVID makes it seem longer because we didn't play in 2020, and then we won three games in 2021. But 2021 is the first time we ever did that. I mean, and every again, lost and, and none of the them, none of them like, were in Mexico. None of them were in Mexico. No, so no, this is this is true. Okay. I'm just talking about <laughs> from the point of uh, psychologically. You haven't beat the U.S. and 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 they should beat the U.S. in Azteca. I'm just saying, play a defensive first team and keep it longer. And the longer that goes, that'll start getting into their head. I mean, you can't just roll out a team that they go, oh yeah, these guys aren't trying to win at all. I'm, that's all I'm saying is is if you're not gonna play the A team, play the A two team, or you know, it, it better be a team that has a chance to win. Otherwise, what's the point? What's the point? Yeah, I'm just saying. Okay, why not start Pulisic? Bench him early. You know, I'm just saying. You just need him out there to try to get that one goal, and then once the goal scored, okay, let's let's close it down. Let's bring in a defensive guys and and hold on to that one zero lead. I don't know how what he's gonna do, but I'm just saying. I want to see an attempt at three points in Mexico. That's what I want. I know. I know what you guys are saying. Panama's the key. But realistically, if you go to Azteca and walk out with a point, all of a sudden, things are a little bit rosier down the road. And especially if you, if you play, not necessarily your A team, but a strong team. Yeah, I mean, they may go in and play conservatively, which is not necessarily playing for a point, but 
I'm not going to give away any easy and see how it goes, right? And maybe if it's 60th minute and it's 0-0, then you start bunkering in. You know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It'll be it'll be interesting to see. Smart. Yeah, yeah. yeah. As Todd said, you know, there's some there's the you know the coaches are going to think through this. I think we'll see. Uh, you know, Burhalter has has uh, you know he's he's had those moments where we we're like this thing isn't working, and then those moments where he pulls it out and figures things out, and and that's some of that's on the players too. We know so. But I uh, I think I think I'm glad you bring up Burhalter because let's face it. That's where the lack of confidence in the team is. It's not necessarily on the players. It's the lack of confidence is on Berhalter. You know, it, it, it at the end of the well, day, that's what it comes down to. Well, I thought the game against Canada came down to FC Dallas's own alumni making mental mistake and getting beat for that first goal, and they were playing behind, right? It, it wasn't Berhalter. It was really a fluke play where uh, I'm, draw, I'm drawing the blank of the name. Ask, the guy that ask, ask the average U.S. fan. No, but they got they got behind early because of Chris. <laughs> I just said, Ren- Jose, you you can't do that. You can't dismiss all the U.S. fans on Twitter with what they've been saying recently, and then I'm not saying this wrong. I'm not saying this wrong. Of I'm just, and be like, they're right. I'm just telling you. I'm just pointing it out that Berhalter <laughs> is the 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 lack of confidence the team stems from their coach. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying that that is what it is. It's not Adams or Pulisic or this or that guy. It's people will tell you against Canada, he got out coached. You can't blame this player, that player. People will say, hey, Berhalter got out coached in that game, and you can't actually defend that because it was true. And there's that's the concern is that he'll get coached, out coached at Azteca. That's why people are saying maybe it, we need to Chris Richards, Chris Richards. Not try to win. Yeah. It was Matt Chris Turner Richards. and Chris Richards. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which is, yeah, they, they again, gave up a terrible goal, and, and we went down early. I don't – I didn't think it was all on coach. I thought it was, yeah. Yeah. Well, look, we, we need to leave it there now. Uh, again, uh, um, Saturday, North Texas. Yeah. Saturday, North Texas is against Minnesota United FC two, which they haven't even announced their, their lineup. So, and, and I know people don't expect too much from North Texas in this new league, but the truth is, and I'll keep reminding everybody this is North Texas, the one thing they've got going for them, they got two things going for them, but the one thing they got going for them is home field advantage. Only three losses in three years in USL League One against much better teams than the teams they're going to be seen regularly at uh, uh, in MLS Next Pro. And that's not a joke. That's that's I expect it to be a huge home field advantage for every team. It's going to be very hard to get a point on the road and MLS, uh and North Texas has one of the best home field advantages in this league. And if anything, I don't expect them to be title contenders, but I do expect them to be in the playoff hunt mm. towards the end. And and you know, it's gonna be the teams that you know, Rochester or, or St. Louis that can play guys that should be playing in MLS in their lineup that are probably gonna win the title. But I'm just saying North Texas has a proven record at home where they're almost unbeatable. And the only team they ever lost to was uh, Greenville. Greenville, And uh, and I think last season it was uh, Chattanooga had their number. Mm -hmm. Other than that, they never once lost to a single single MLS2 team or any other team in USL League 1 in Arlington. So 
It'd be interesting to see Parker play. Uh, we haven't, you know, got to see him play because he yeah. hasn't made the roster. That's that's what's exciting about it. Uh, also, uh, I just want to say one last thing: the three best academies in MLS are the Philadelphia Union, uh, FC Dallas, and Inter Miami. Right now, it supposedly has the best talent, even though they haven't done anything. Also, the three youngest teams in MLS next pro and and honestly watch any of those three teams if you're a fan of the usmnt uh youth real program. quick nathan uh, one thing we didn't talk about is fc dallas has the number one supporting group with el matador in the league <laughs> hands down <laughs> these guys have brought it el matador absolutely, absolutely. Yes. Yes. absolutely. yes i'll drink to I that i can confirm that okay. I, yeah. that's awesome yeah that's awesome yeah well, good. I mean, it's so much good. And there's always going to be so many things else to talk about. Of course, no FC Dallas game this weekend, but but back uh, uh, against Chicago the following weekend. So in between, but enjoy the soccer. Enjoy the United States men's national team and North Texas SC. That's right. Uh, one final note. The uh, first game of MLS Next Pro is going to be St. Louis versus uh, Rochester on Friday night. All games are going to be streamed live on MLS, MLSNextPro.com. Gibran Rio is playing for Rochester. Mm -hmm. So there's your one, your one FCD Another. Academy player to keep an eye on. And, and we didn't even do Dom Dwyer watch, you know, the legend FC Dallas legend <laughs> who got Dwyer. a red card after like three red minutes. Card. Yeah. All right. Two, two former FC Dallas, you know, former FC Dallas players got red cards this past week. Two weekend. red cards. Yeah. And then the week before, I think Breck Shea did. So we just been, Guys, yeah, and something's I, going on I there. I thought uh, Velasco got off. He could have possibly gotten a red for that foul. That was, well, if he wouldn't have been so small, I think you know, that was a nasty tackle. I, it was I, I will say that the stars don't get red carded as easily as <laughs> the regular MLS players. I agree. I'm, I'm with throwing you. that out there. You. I agree with you. It's a business. All right. It's called the it's called the Garber rule thing. That's right. Yeah. The Garber rule. Yeah. finally, you know, shines its light in FC, FC Dallas' favor. <laughs> well, good night, everybody. And just remember, if you miss the live show, we, we do have our podcast available. And it's, it is available on Google and, and Apple and Spotify and other places. So be sure to subscribe, listen, leave a review, um, help us spread the word, help us grow the show. Appreciate all the viewers tonight, all the great comments and questions. You, you I appreciate awesome. Todd, man. You were on point today with those comments. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. I like the we'll keep it going. Text. Yeah. yeah, we'll keep it going. All right. Uh, good night, everybody. Good night. Good night, guys.